0: This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, presented by... MetaShare. Together we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson with Harrison Zuckerberg and we are your fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win while also finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. We're a part of the Unpacking It podcast network and I'm coming to you from the Unpacking It ministry studios in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are fired up for today's show because Harrison and myself had our first draft of the season. And I think I'm going to have five or six drafts. So the first one is under my belt and and same with Harrison. And so we will reveal those draft results and, and hopefully give you some insight as you step into your drafts, maybe this coming week or, or weekend and, and let you know kind of, what we saw, what we, certain circumstances that we found ourselves in, and what decisions we made. So we'll, we'll share that with you. Uh, we'll also talk about a few players that it's it's debatable. Do we trust them at, at this position, or do we trust this player more? Uh, so we'll look at that. We'll also do our breakout as we do each week. We take a, a fantasy concept related to the Bible, related to our own lives, and today we're going to talk about the gut feeling when you have that gut feeling during your fantasy draft and in life and, and what we can learn uh, about that to have the right gut feeling. And we'll have some other fun throughout the show as well. Uh, let me thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. Uh, if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MetaShare today. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. MediShare offers programs for every budget. So if you're an individual, a parent, small business owner, ministry leader, you're self-employed, MediShare has options for you. The best part is their members on average save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. My family, we've been members uh, for six years or so and uh, highly recommend MediShare. So MediShare.com slash unpacking it. All right, one other thing to mention on the top. We have a listener league available to you. And so we would love for you to, to join Harrison and, and, and me this year, play against us. And we actually have three different leagues slash divisions that will all compete for one champion. So it'll be one Unpacking It champion. And, and so we'd love for you to be a part of it. Go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy unpacking it.com slash fantasy. If you say ah, I'm already in too many leagues, that's okay. You can also join one of our 32 team leagues. One is best ball and one is easy to manage throughout the year as well. So either way, it's a win win. Check out the details unpacking it.com slash fantasy. And if you join one of our leagues, the fantasy football fellowship membership is included. And so uh, definitely do that. And if you don't want to play in our leagues, you've got enough leagues. On your own, totally understand, but you still want to have access to the fantasy football fellowship membership and all the content throughout the season. You can become a member today; it's only ten dollars. Takes care of the whole season, and if you want to even bring it to your church, uh, we have a church option as well, uh, and and kind of a league option if you want to to have it for your whole league. Uh, so, so check that out. We want to walk alongside you throughout the entire season. We have the content to do so. Uh, written, video, this podcast, discussion questions, devotionals—we've got you covered. So, thanks for being a part of things, and excited for for you to be a part of today's show. All right, so over the weekend, the nineteenth time I drafted with my high school buddies, and I, I mentioned it on the show last year, but it's a special league. It's my home league. It's uh, it's, I'm wearing my hat today, so it's a Weddington Legacy hat. We all have league hats. Uh, which is always funny when we we go out for dinner after the draft, and we're all wearing uh, not all of us only only those of us that are willing to to sort of rep the team. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like it's like Russell Wilson showing up with his uh, with his Broncos jersey. Uh, we're we're wearing our fantasy hats out and about. Uh, I was probably against the the Russell Wilson, but I embraced the hat. I embraced the hat. So anyway, well, I'm going to reveal my thoughts. Let's say hello to Harrison this morning. Harrison, great to see you. How are you feeling your first draft under under your belt? It's officially fantasy season.
1: First draft last night, and I did some things I normally would never do in a fantasy draft, but I think I kind of like how it turned out. Some guys fell to me that I usually wouldn't take that many at one position, wouldn't take this guy here, but it kind of worked out. So I'm going to run you through it real quick, Bryce. See what your opinions are. I had the second pick in this 12-man PPR league. First pick was Christian McCaffrey, so I got Jonathan Taylor at the second pick, which I loved. And then coming back around in the turn, I know I probably wanted another running back and a wide receiver to balance out my team because, you know, when you're at the turn in a, in a large league, you can't really double up on positions because you have another 20 picks until you're on the board again. A lot of guys could go there if you need a receiver. But it just so happened that both Javante Williams. And Aaron Jones got back to me at the two, three turn. And I selected both of them starting out my draft, which in my opinion with, with three top 10 running backs, which I think is a huge advantage that I'm going to have this season. And then going into the f- the fifth round, the fourth five turn picked up Brandon cooks in the fourth round to sort of balance out my receiver room. But then sitting in the fifth round, I know we like to wait on quarterbacks and find value late with guys like Russell Wilson, Kirk cousins, Justin Herbert, a guy that we both think could be the number one overall fantasy quarterback, was there in the fifth round, you know, didn't have a lot of depth at receiver, but I had to take him for the upside. I thought I can find receivers later. I ended up doing that by grabbing guys like Rashad Bateman, Alan, Alan Lazard, Chris Olave, Kadarius Toney. You know, some breakout guys, guys with solidified roles, I think really rounded out my lost roster. And I like this powerhouse running back, quarterback roster that I have going into this season. Something I don't think I would have, you know, like expected myself to do going in, but I really like how it turned out. I love it.
0: I love going three running backs if, if you can find that high level quality guys at those spots. So very impressive that you were able to pull that off. And it's funny, so in my draft, I was the second overall as well. Jonathan Taylor fell to me. And so I was in that similar setup as you uh, on the the second and third round uh, on the turn. And and so I went Jonathan Taylor, and then I followed that up with Travis Etienne and DJ Moore. Now, I'm in a 14-team league. We have keepers, so a lot of guys are off the board. And so where I get guys in certain rounds may not necessarily uh, make as much sense to guys that are in a full redraft league, but here, here are my thoughts. I I, I've been telling everybody on this show I'm in on Jacksonville this year. I love them from a fantasy perspective because you always want the team. You want to target guys on a, on a NFL team where everybody still thinks they stink because of last year and they're not fully bought in on them, turning it around. So for me, I, I'm in on Jacksonville, so you know I, I finished the, the draft with Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. So I got both those guys, and I'm thrilled about it, really excited about it. And it's pretty crazy that Jonathan Taylor you know, went second um, just because it seems like everybody around the fantasy world is, is all in on Jonathan Taylor this year. So for me to be able to get him, I, I was pumped. The only downside for me with that was Michael Pittman was my eighth-round keeper. So I'm doing something that I don't normally advise doing, I don't like to do, is have a a star running back and wide receiver from the same team. However, I'm all in on the Colts this year, so if it's going to happen, I'm okay with it being the Colts um, because I think this is a Super Bowl-caliber team, and and both those guys were high-level fantasy players last year. And guess what? The team added Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz. To me, both those guys will just be even better this year. And I'm not worried about Jonathan Taylor having even less carries or less involvement. If they want to get Naeem Hines even more involved this year, I'm okay with it. I want Jonathan Taylor rested and ready to roll for the fantasy playoffs. He's going to be solid all year long. There's going to be opportunities for touchdowns. So to me, he's so reliable, uh, and I just want you know, I want him to stay healthy. So less carries might mean that he's he's more healthy um, or healthier. So my a couple of my, my big decisions that I made throughout the draft, uh, Darren Waller slipped to me in the fifth round. Now I was targeting guys, tight ends. Later, I wanted Cole Komet later, Pat Fryermuth later. But at the fifth fifth round, Darren Waller, I was like, "Yes, please, I'll I'll take him." So uh, that was a a wonderful slip for me. And then uh, I took Rashad Bateman. I think you did as well. I took him a little early in the fifth round, um, but he's my third wide receiver, and and so I'm I'm psyched to go DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Rashad Bateman and then also who slipped in my draft. And last week I said I laughed at the New England Patriots because this seems like a ridiculous offense, and I'm not real confident. However, Damian Harris, one of my loyal guys from last year who, who, who produced, he slipped to the seventh round for me, and he's my fourth running back. So I couldn't, I couldn't pass that up. I, I made Chase Edmonds my third running back. Uh, So to me, in a fourteen-team league, to have those four running backs, uh, that type of depth, uh, I feel I feel very confident in. So, there you go, Harrison. Any uh,
1: any thoughts on on how things landed for me? I think you did the exact right thing in finding value because you know there's a lot of times where we can say we're completely out on Damian Harris or you know. We don't want to draft him where his current ADP is. But if he's there for you late enough, there's always a range to take a player. Now, there's some guys who, you know, for me this year, it's Robert Woods. I will not draft even as in the last round. But there's (laughs) some guys where, you know what, if he's available at this price, it's fine because you're not taking him as the RB20. You're taking him as the RB35, which is probably closer to where he's going to finish. So I think that was a perfect strategy by you.
0: And the one other thing, so, yeah, Russell Wilson, who I took – I took slightly early in the sixth round, but I'm going to talk about gut feelings in a little bit. It was one of those gut feelings that I wasn't going to like the quarterback situ- situation late. Derek Carr was kept, so he was off the board. And I knew that that Kirk Cousins has, has gained some momentum, and I think I'm not the only one aware of the value of Kirk Cousins. So I wanted Kirk Cousins late, but I was too – maybe it was a little fear. I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to miss out on him. And of the other top quarterbacks, I just wasn't confident in anybody else. Matthew Stafford, some of the injury concerns with him made me nervous. Um, I just don't want to ride the the Aaron Rodgers train this year. I don't I don't want to deal with the whatever the shenanigans that come with him. So so anyway, so I was kind of excited about maybe Russell Wilson in Denver could could be a top five quarterback this year. Uh, so I was willing to kind of reach just a little bit to get him, uh, but excited about that. And then I, I mentioned I wanted Pat Fryermuth. Well, I ended up getting him as my tight end, too. So huge value there to get him late uh, where I don't necessarily have to rely on him. But if he does pick up where he left off last year, then then I'm in good shape. So there you go. There's uh, some of the draft results. Here's the, the, the question, though, for you, Harrison. Who are a couple players that you're bummed you missed out on? Uh-huh. Where you saw them go off the board and you thought they might get to you. And you were disappointed that, that that you missed.
1: So in the middle rounds, I had, you know, it was like five picks left until my pick. And there was Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, and Gabriel Davis, all, you know, breakout wide receivers in the middle rounds, still on the board, And all four of them went in the five picks before my pick. I ended up taking Rashad Bateman, which I was fine with, because I think he's going to be on that level as well but I was really hoping to go into that turn and be able to get two of those guys and only ended up getting one. So that was a little bit disappointing for me. Uh, But other than that, I was really happy with the value I was, you know, doing with one of my friends at my house here and I was, I kept telling him, you know, I really want one of these three guys to get back to me. I really hope one of these two guys gets back to me. And every single time, pretty much one of those two guys got back to me. So I don't really feel like I had to reach on anyone. The only one I maybe reached on was Alan Lazard, because I didn't like the rest of the wide receivers down the board. I wanted the sure thing in Green Bay. But other than that, I mean, there's not a lot of guys where I missed out. And I was like, oh, I really wish I had him, except for those middle round receivers.
0: Yeah, and and. I, to me, so I only have four receivers on my team. I like keeping an eye on the waiver wire. I like seeing some of those third wide receivers, some of those slot guys that end up getting a lot of production and you can get those guys off waivers early in the season. So I'm willing to kind of wait on, on some of that. Um, So even if I miss on some, some, you know, why I don't, I felt the same way in the middle rounds. I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. I don't really like these guys. Um, So I only have four receivers and my fourth guy, Romeo Dobbs. So I did buy the hype train. So he's kind of my my one. Uh, we'll see. Kind of a flyer. He may, he may he may not be in the mix this year. He may be the fourth wide receiver and not really get a chance as a rookie. Maybe Aaron Rodgers doesn't fully trust him. But the talent's there. We've seen it in the preseason. There has you know been a lot of talk coming out of out of training camp. So I uh, that was my my big flyer so, uh, with him.
1: Yeah, and one more late round wide receiver, like you mentioned, with Robio Dobbs, slot guy. I took Isaiah McKenzie in the last round of my draft for the Buffalo Bills. I think he can have a solid role and, you know, he may end up outperforming some of the, he could possibly outperform Gabriel Davis for all we know. We really don't know who the second guy, third guy is in that offense. We assume it's Gabe Davis, but you never know. It could be Isaiah McKenzie. He's gotten a lot of hype in the preseason. So I was happy to get him in the last round as well.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah, he seems to to be emerging for sure. Uh, the one guy for me that I did miss out on it was AJ Dillon. So I'm I'm all in on AJ Dillon this year, and I almost took him in the third round, early third, and I thought maybe there's a chance that I get him on the way back in the fourth round. But he went he went only a couple picks later in the third round, and so I, I did miss out on Dillon and. I might regret that. I might regret that a little bit, but I took DJ Moore, So I at least have a solid wide receiving core with, with him and Pittman. And, and I think both of them can be, you know, wide receiver, one category. So either, you know, a top 14 wide receiver. So I'm in a 14 team league. I might have two of the top 14 receivers and, and then, you know, with ETN, the sky's the limit with him too. the type of production that he might get with, with all those passes out of the backfield from Trevor uh, Lawrence, that could be uh, that could be sweet. Um, one last thing to, to talk about my draft. So we do this really unique thing in our draft is we do a blind bid at the end of the ninth round. And so, you know, there's just a few few rounds left. And what you do, we all wrote on a piece of paper, the one player that you want, and then you put a draft value next to him. So either a 10th round, 11th round, 12th 13th, 13th round. But if you put the same guy as somebody else, the, whoever had the higher draft pick, gets that guy so you miss out on him so it's it, a lot of strategy to it but for me i did khalil herbert as a 13th rounder and and so i was psyched actually another guy did it and i, I beat him out so um so because i had an earlier pick in the 13th round so i got khalil H- herbert i'm really excited about him uh i actually, you, you probably watched your bears the other night in preseason i thought he looked good he didn't get a ton of opportunity but i still it's the eye test with him uh so i'm still still excited about him are you
1: yeah, I think he's gonna have a great season this year. I don't like David Montgomery is the guy there, but there will be opportunities for Herbert. And another running back, preseason, you know, star surprise, whatever you want to call it, I ended up picking up late as well, is Isaiah Pacheco from the Kansas City Chiefs. He's now the number two there. And my strategy with him is he's getting a lot of hype in preseason. If we go into week one and he's getting, you know, eight to ten carries and is a part of the offense. You know he's going to be someone you want on your roster because he's going to be involved in a high-powered offense and possibly even compete for the starting role with Clyde. But if we go in and it was just all preseason hype, gets one, two carries, I can cut him immediately, pick up someone else. I want guys in those later rounds that you know week one pretty much how involved they're going to be. And If they're not involved, you can cut them, move on, get someone else. You don't want to be getting guys who, like, I saw people take long shots at wide receivers and running backs who probably won't get on the field until, like, week eight. That's just going to be clogging up a roster spot at the end of your roster where you're not going to be able to know what you have or if you're going to be able to cut him until later in the season. And I'd rather have the guy who, you know, will know week one if he's part of Andy Reid's offense because of how Andy Reid operates. And if he's not, don't worry about it.
0: All right. With that said, here I was at the end of the fourth round, and I decided to take Chase Edmonds over Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Kareem Hunt, and Miles Sanders. What would you have done in that situation?
1: I would have also taken Chase Edmonds. At the beginning of the offseason, I wasn't super high on him. But as we've seen the preseason move on now, we've heard reports, it sounds like he is the guy there, and we don't. You know, obviously we don't trust Raheem Moser because he's never healthy. He'll play the first six games of the season, maybe then get hurt. Sonny Michelle just looks like a depth depth piece. Miles Gaskin could get, you know, cut. I think Chase Edmonds there really is the guy, you know, check down Tua, doesn't like to air it out, throwing it short. I think new head coach McDaniel is going to incorporate ways for, you know, Edmonds to get involved in the passing game. And one thing that was really interesting to me that I heard the other day is that, you know, Chase Edmonds was one of the best running backs in the NFL at wide zone runs last year with the Arizona Cardinals, one of the most efficient running backs at those type of runs. And the 49ers last year had a top five rate at running wide zone offensive run plays. Mike McDaniels coming in. It's obvious that they wanted to get him. He was the first running back signed in the offseason because he fits their scheme the best. They're not gonna outbid guys like, you know, Buffalo to get Chase Edmonds down to to uh miami and then not use him when he's perfect for their scheme love it all right that's my third guy so
0: that's good i'm, I'm feeling good feeling good about him for sure all right so we'll uh we'll we'll talk to harrison in in just a moment and we're, we're gonna play a little game who do you trust more uh but we'll we'll do this week's breakout right now and each week on the show we'll take a fantasy concept parallel it to our own lives parallel it to the bible and I'm sure all of you understand what this, this means as far as in the middle of your draft, there are times where, you know, hopefully, hopefully, since you listen to this, this podcast, you and maybe you're you know, getting other fantasy content, you're listening to fantasy experts uh, around the, the fantasy world, you know the stats. like you, You've got stats in front of you you understand, okay, this player was, was great last year. This player has this opportunity, and you, you know the facts, you know the stats. But then there's those situations where you throw it all out the window and you have a gut feeling. You go, you know what? I just have a feeling about this guy. I just have a feeling about this team. I want this running back. I want this quarterback. I, it's just a feeling. Sure, on paper, it seems, it seems like, you know, for, for me, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson, my gut feeling, I got to go Russell Wilson. I can't, I can't trust Kyler Murray. I just can't do it. I I understand Murray. Maybe, you know, at times he puts up these huge numbers and he runs the ball more than Russell Wilson does. And so he gets some extra, you know, yardage from that standpoint. But my gut feeling during the draft over the weekend, it was, I got to get Russell Wilson. I don't, I'm not going to like my quarterback situation if I wait. And so right now I got to go for it. I know there's some uncertainty. He wasn't awesome last year in Seattle. He really faced his first injury. He's coming to a new system, new head coach. We don't know anything. My gut feeling, I want Russell Wilson. And so I did it. I went for him. Um, And so, uh, you know, this is, this is where what we call going with your gut. And it's just a feeling uh, about a certain player. It's an instinct. It's an intuition uh, that that's telling us he's the one to select. And, And sometimes it means we go against conventional thinking and And you know maybe the 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 other guys in the league might even laugh at us for for picking a player too early, but we have to go with our gut. There's just certain situations throughout the draft that we have to go with our gut now, I'll admit that going with my gut in fantasy hasn't always panned out, right We, we make some mistakes in that in that regard uh and it can be a misleading approach to drafting like we want to be we want to have our strategy, we want to have our our stats and information in front of us. Uh, but there are still situations where you just can't shake that gut feeling and you got to make that, that certain decision uh, during the draft. And when it comes to our own everyday life, I, d- I also think that there are, are different approaches to decision making because, you know, hopefully we are relying on stats and facts and the truth that's in front of us when making, you know, wise decisions in life. We want to hear from, you know, wise counsel and listen to the advice of, of people that we trust in our lives to help us make decisions. And, and, you know, whether in fantasy or in life, we want to think about, you know, lessons that we've learned from the past, right? And that helps us in our, in our decision-making as well. But again, in life, there are also decisions that we just have a gut feeling about. And I believe that this gut feeling in life can be a, it can be both a dangerous and a wonderful approach the key though is knowing the difference between where that gut feeling is coming from and why it's there because it can it can be a misleading route to go and and here's the here's the deal if we're living life to please ourselves, and, and we're just choosing to do whatever feels right, or we're operating with a limited understanding based on what we think is best, then our gut feeling will mislead us. And, and Proverbs puts it this way, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And, and maybe it's you, maybe, maybe you know people that, that just always seem to make the wrong decisions because they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. They're just making gut gut feeling reactions and decisions, and they're not wise decisions. But here's the the flip side. If we're truly living spirit-filled lives as followers of Jesus, we will make wise decisions that are rooted in our understanding of God's word and knowledge of his will. And the spirit of God that lives inside of us will help to lead and guide us down the right path. And so he's the one inside of us giving us that gut feeling as long as we're walking with Jesus and we're spirit filled because he gives us discernment, insight, intuition that provides a much stronger and more reliable gut feeling than any sort of gut feeling that we can have in our own limited understanding, our own selfish, uh, desire driven way. Um, and so you know, the question for us is, you know, what is our gut feeling? What, where is that coming from? Is it coming from God or is it coming from you know, pressures from culture or the world or, or, or just kind of misguided uh, places? Or is it truly coming from an intimate relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit that lives within us, guiding us and leading us so that we can go with our gut, go with, ultimately go with what the Spirit's uh, telling us. And and so Philippians two thirteen gives us this encouragement for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And so if we truly you know are, are seeking Him, following Him, listening to Him, then then He's going to give us those those desires that that come from Him. Um, and and our desires will line up with Him because we'll want to do what He wants us to do, and we'll do what pleases Him. And will make wise decisions according to his his will, and and so you know. Last week we talked about taking risks and and steps of faith, and and so sometimes we take steps of faith, and and we might even go against you know conventional thinking, or people might laugh at our decision, and and we might even go against you know certain like wait on paper this is the, no no no, but my my gut feeling, my the, the Holy Spirit within me. He's telling me to take the step of faith, to go with it. And so like last week, again, we want to take those steps of faith when it's clear that that's where the Holy Spirit is leading us. And, and so if we know deep down that God has given us that desire and he's given us a peace about it, then we can confidently go with that spirit-filled gut feeling. And, and so today, let's ask God for wisdom and discernment as we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and, and let's remember what proverbs uh, two six through eleven says, "For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge, come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright, He is a shield to those who walk whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge." will be pleasant to your soul, discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. And so we want wisdom from the Lord. We want our gut feelings to be rooted in in him, in his truth, in his word, in the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, and we'll make wise decisions. Uh, Sometimes those big steps of faith that people can't fully understand, but we know because we have the confidence and the peace that that gut feeling is coming from the right place. And it's coming from God, uh, showing us his will, his direction for our lives. And so, uh, so be encouraged today, uh, to, to follow the, the right gut feeling, but we got to check it. We got to check that gut. Got to check that gut. My wife's always telling me that from a, from another standpoint, but, uh, but you know, you, you get it, you get it. So, uh, so there you go. So that's today's, uh, breakout. And if you would like to discuss these topics with your league, uh, we have these types of breakout topics devotionals throughout the entire season. So we'll uh we'll be starting it up uh you know week well, we actually have some preseason ones but but week 1 all the way till the end of the season and and so you could become a member today and get access to all of this uh on fantasyfootballfellowship.com. So fantasyfootballfellowship.com. All right Harrison, who was a player that that uh, you had a gut feeling about during your draft that you had to had to follow
1: your gut? One player that I have a gut feeling about that I've really been out on for the whole offseason until really recently is Dawson Knox on the Buffalo Bills. I completely punted on tight end. It was waiting till the last rounds. And Dawson Knox was still there because I think he's slipping at this point that people watched the preseason game. They saw Gabriel Davis catch a huge touchdown pass from Josh Allen. And I feel like everyone's forgetting about him. Now, normally I don't like to target breakout tight ends who's had a lot of touchdowns because I don't feel like the touchdowns are repeatable. But when you're playing with Josh Allen, touchdowns are pretty repeatable. He's gonna throw at least 30 or 40 of them with the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, now that the Bills, we really don't know who their number two is going to be. We think it's gonna be Gabe Davis. It might be Isaiah McKenzie. Is it James Cook? The guy with the most chemistry with Josh Allen in that offense right now is Dawson Knox. Why would it be crazy for him to step up and be, he's gotten better every single year of his career. He's Josh Allen's best friend. They wear matching t-shirts in practice. They do touchdown <laughs> celebrations together. Why would he not want to do more celebrations on field in game by throwing him the ball more next season? You know, as a guy, when you want to look at breakout tight ends, you want guys who can have a step up in volume in elite offense and offenses. So if, if, the targets are gone. That don't like doesn't mess, this necessarily mean it has to go to a wide receiver. It could go to Dawson Knox. So I'm in on him with a gut feeling that he is going to be the number two or at least you know, very similar to Gabriel Davis in targets there next year. I like it. So my
0: gut feeling is on the negative side, and I, I just have a gut feeling that things in Tampa Bay are going to be a disaster this year. I mean, we're already seeing it with the offensive line. Like we can't overlook this. This is such a big deal. Absolutely not. No. (laughs) I mean, I mean, in some ways that's not even a gut feeling. That's like reality. And but but it just seems like, well, it's the Bucs. It's Tom Brady. Like everything's gonna work out like it always has. And like I get it, but it's just it's my gut feeling that it's just it's gonna get ugly. And I I don't want any Bucs players on my roster. So I didn't draft any.
1: I'm out. I'm out I completely box. agree. I was in on the bucks because of the value. I felt like of like Mike Evans going to get an increased workload with uh, Chris Godwin out for a little bit, but because of the O line injuries, there Brady's not even with the team. He just came back a few days ago. I mean, it's you cannot Weird. have a bad interior offensive line, which is what they have right now because of all of their injuries and an immobile quarterback. You know, like that just does not work for sustainable offense. So I'm, I agree. I'm worried about the bucks and I had the option of taking, you know, Javante Williams or Mike Evans. And I chose to take Javante in the draft that I had last night. So I, I'm on board with the bucks, not being at the top of the NFL this year. This will be fine, but where you have to pay to get their players right now in draft capital. I do not think it's worth it. So I, I may, I'm not, a, I'm not a gambler.
0: However, I bet a seventh round draft pick with somebody in, in my league for next year, seventh round draft pick. And I, I bet that the
1: bucks would miss the playoffs. Interesting. Interesting.
0: So I, I, I was kind of caught up in the moment. Um, but then I started thinking, I was like, man, the NFC is not great. So they still might fall. <laughs> they still might fall into the playoffs. I just, I just have that gut feeling though, that the, the bucks are are, are going to be out this year. So, um so there you go. Uh, I, I won a fifth round pick. I had two fifth round picks this year. Because last year I made a a, a bet with the same guy, uh, I bet a fifth rounder that the Colts would finish with a better record than the Jaguars last year, so I won that I won that bet uh pretty pretty safely, so that was nice um so i had two I had two fifth rounders this year, and that's how I was able to get darren Waller which was which was tremendous speaking of Darren Waller, all right we're gonna play a little game who do you trust more and and so i'll I'll ask you who do you trust more Darren Waller who really has been going as the tight end five versus Dallas Goddard tight end eight. Both of these players have more competition around them. Um, Eagles, of course, adding AJ Brown. AJ Brown was another guy that I missed on. I just missed on him. I took DJ Moore because AJ Brown was off the board. I was going back and forth between those two guys. Um, but so Goddard's got AJ Brown and, and also Devonte Smith, you know, coming into his second season. Does he take a next step? And then, of course, Darren Waller's got Devontae Adams. And then Hunter Renfro, who should pick up right where he left off. So what does that mean for
1: for Waller? So where where do you come out on that? I trust Waller slightly more just because when you look at the competition that he has, I feel like it's different competition than Dallas Goddard. You know, Dallas Goddard is used a lot as a blocker in the Eagles offense because they're an extremely run-heavy team with Miles Sanders, with Jalen Hurts. And he has two, you know, boundary stud receivers on the outside – like Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. But when you look at Darren Waller, he's he's a good blocker, but he is a receiver. That is where he makes his money. And he is the number two receiving option on this team, I believe, ahead of Hunter Renfro, unlike Goddard, who I think is the third. And the team's not as run heavy. Derek Carr has to air it out. They're in a high-scoring division. You know, I think Waller has a lot safer floor than Dallas Goddard because of the type of offense that he's in and because of his role more as a pass catcher instead of the blocker. That Goddard is for tight end. I think he would be the safer pick here.
0: My my only hesitation with Waller is he has been a little banged up in training camp, and as soon as I see the word hamstring, I normally run. I run for cover. Um, but again, Waller slipped to me in the fifth, and I I just had to, I had to get him um, because I actually I read something almost right before I drafted him. Just this idea that Devontae Adams is going to get double teamed. And it's going to open things up for Waller down the field. And Carr's going to find him. It's going to be nice. I think it's actually going to help help Waller out in, in this circumstance. So, uh, whereas Travis Kelsey, I mean, he might get doubled even more this year. I mean, it, without Tyree Kill, this could really hurt Kelsey. We don't know. We don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, he'll open things up in, in a big way for them. Uh, will that be the same same situation? I love Kelsey, but... At the price you pay for Kelsey, ah, I don't know. It's, it's somewhat risky there. Um, all right, you, you've talked a lot about uh, Gabe Davis, but what wide receiver two in, in an elite offense do you trust more? Gabe Davis at wide receiver 31 or Allen Robinson at wide receiver 28? So in many ways, you would pick one or the other in this
1: in this scenario. So I think I would rather take Allen Robinson here. You know, the injury concerned with Matt Stafford's arm, it, it could be something, it could be nothing. We, we don't really know what's going on there. But when you listen to Sean McVay talk about Allen Robinson and how excited he is that they, like he is on the team right now, I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense. It's not sustainable for Cooper Cup to get nearly 200 targets again next season. I don't think Allen Robinson has necessarily lost a step like a lot of people do. I think last year in Chicago is just, you know, a fluke season, a lot of different, you know, negative variables coming into account for him. Um, and I would rather take him because I think the upside is, is higher than Gabriel Davis because I think there's a lot of other weapons in the Buffalo offense that are going to get involved in Los Angeles. I mean, it's really just cup and Allen Robinson. And we don't even know about the running back situation situation. I mean, Ben Jefferson's out for the year they don't really have a third wide receiver there it's those two guys and I think that Robinson's gonna be a huge part of what the Rams do this season I will
0: say I'm a little nervous that the Rams get off to a slow start this season you know they just won the Super Bowl we know how that goes sometimes it's just especially teams that it was almost like they went all in <laughs> like do they have anything left I guess is is kind of a a question there um I think there's still so much talent there and Sean McVay is such a great coach that they will figure things out and they're going to be in the mix as the season goes on um so I'm not sure if that opens the door for Allen Robinson because he's fresh like you said he's excited to be there they're they're excited to get him involved um he's just glad to escape Chicago um so he's living the LA life so he might actually have a great start to the year even if the, the the Rams sort of limp into the season a little bit uh but i, I like Allen robinson I, I would take robinson over gabe davis myself um all right let's do uh well we'll stay we'll stay in la running backs coming off of injury do you trust cam Akers, who's kind of going running back 18 or jk dobbins in baltimore running back 22
1: Personally, I trust J.K. Dobbins. Now, I was really out on him at the beginning of the offseason as well, but it sounds like of the guys in Baltimore, he is the most recovered from his injury right now. We don't really know what's going on with Gus Edwards. He keeps having setbacks, whereas Cam Akers, he's still banged up. You know, he's just – like, we don't really know what's going on with Cam Akers. I think Daryl Henderson's more of a threat to Akers – Then at this point, Mike Davis, who's the backup for Baltimore, is to JK Dobbins. We know Baltimore wants to be run heavy. That's what they like to do. So I am more comfortable taking Dobbins as you know an RB three in that range of RB22 than I would be as Cam Akers, who's going really high in drafts right now. Like in my draft, he went as an RB two. I'm pretty sure he went in the third round. That seems way too high for a guy where, you know, like we know he's gonna be involved in the LA offense. But again, listen to what Sean McVay says. He's a very candid guy. He was saying, Oh, yeah, we have two RB1s with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. If that's the truth, Cam Akers is just not worth a third round pick and you have the injury risk in there. I just think he's way too risky of a player to take over someone like Dobbins.
0: Yeah, Dobbins and Akers for me, only if they slip. I I'm not, I'm not paying for them at their their current ADP. I'm not definitely not overpaying for them. Um I think there is some talent there that that both are intriguing guys. Uh and and teams, you know, both teams are invested in those guys. But yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of risk. Uh, I did see this update just come across the the wire uh from Sleeper. Rams to keep one eye on Stafford's arm all year. Oh, that makes me nervous. That makes me nervous for Cooper Cup and and Allen Robinson, like we were just talking about. Um, but gosh, yeah, it's 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 tricky. And then speaking of Baltimore, this other update from Sleeper. Isaiah likely is kind of this preseason star tight end. So he's, he's uh, likely to play significant snaps. He's so like, curious, likely
1: to play significant snaps.
0: That's, that's right. The, <laughs> the, the jokes from, uh, from likely uh, I saw uh, uh, an image today on, on social media uh, in the top was how many fantasy drafts likely 80, which is the back of his Jersey. So I like that. That was a funny one. Um, so anyway, that that's a name to, to keep an eye out for in Baltimore. Uh, and I don't know what that means for Mark Andrews. Both you and I are in on Rashad Bateman. I still think he's going to take a big leap second year. I don't think people realize that Rashad Bateman was awesome at the end of last year. That, that he was sort of overlooked because the, the Ravens w- weren't necessarily in the mix as much. Lamar Jackson had sort of a, an off year with some injury and stuff. And, um, but but Bateman, Bateman's a stud. So I, I'm psyched to have him on, on my team.
1: Yeah, Bateman is absolutely a stud. He was overlooked at the end of last year. And I think he was overlooked in the draft as well. Like people forget how talented of a prospect he was coming out of college. You know, before the season started, he sat out a lot of the season because of COVID, his senior year, but he was right up there with, you know, Jamar Chase's who's going to be the number one receiver taken in the draft. It ultimately ended up being Chase. Bateman fell a little bit later, but he's a legit player. And I really like what he is going to do in Baltimore this year.
0: Legit. I love when you say legit that's we need a segment. We need a segment for Harrison legit legit players. You got it. Um, all right, let's do one more segment and, and then we'll wrap things up. And, you know, th- there's always a, a a discussion this time of year, guys that are, you know, catching some buzz and maybe guys that even get more of an opportunity in training camp that, you know, they just get more reps because maybe the previous guy isn't out there as, as often. Um, And then there's also, you know, when it comes to young players, maybe we overlook them based on last year or, or even as we evaluate, okay, what rookies do I want to draft this year? Where did they go in the draft? All this factors in and, and Harrison, you've got some thoughts on what it means for talent to win out. So what is your, what is your thesis and, and theory on how talent wins out.
1: Yeah. So last year there were three, you know, really league winning players who were taken. And that was Jonathan Taylor, Jamar Chase, and and Cooper Cup. And all of those guys, you know, were in uncertain situations. There's a lot of a lot of competition in the Bengals receiving room with guys like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. The The uh, Colts, we didn't know if Jonathan Taylor was going to be the guy there or if Marlon Mack was still going to have a role. Same thing with Cooper Cup. We didn't know if he was going to be the guy or he was going to split with Robert Woods. But at the end of the day, you know, Jamar Chase was a, a top 10 pick, you know, uber talented player. Jonathan Taylor, extremely talented player, a lot better than Marlon Mack and Cooper Cup versus Robert Woods. I never watched Robert Woods highlights, but I remember watching Cooper Cup highlights from when he was in college, first couple of years, because he was an absurd route runner and the things he would do on the field were just crazy. And I kind of overlooked that because of their situations, But at the end of the day, they were the most talented player on their roster. The coaches rewarded them and said, hey, we got to get this guy the ball. He's the best player. He's going to carry it. He's going to get the most receptions. That's our game plan. So there's a couple guys this year that I'm looking at. and The first one we mentioned before, and that is J.K. Dobbins. You know, everyone has in their mind that the Ravens are going to use a running back by committee, but that's because they've had multiple great running backs on the roster. They don't need to use just one. They've had guys like Mark Ingram and and Gus Edwards who've been great compliments to each other. But J.K. Dobbins, right now he's competing with Mike Davis. Mike Davis has never done anything meaningful in his career that would warrant him taking carries from J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is a rookie. Even though he was injured last year, we forget how explosive he was as a rookie he averaged six yards per carry as a rookie. The only other players to do that in the last 50 years were him and Alvin Kamara. So there is no doubt in my mind that he is the most talented back on this roster. If they're going to lean on the running game with Lamar Jackson, whatever mix of running backs, why would you be handing it to, you know, a seventh round, like rookie and Tyler Batty or Mike Davis, who is, you know, not really that explosive instead of, the guy who you drafted to be the star running back on your team in JK Dobbins. I think he's, you know, he's the guy that at the end of the season is like, Oh, well, he's in a top 10 offense. He's the lead running back. Obviously he was going to be good. We just overlooked him because of, you know, rumors about other guys on, on the edges, taking carries from him. And then a receiver that I really like as well is Kadarius Tony in New York. You know, Brian Dayball is now coming in and he gets to take the guys on this roster and decide who he's going to design the offense around. Is it going to be Kenny Doll Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Wandell Robinson? There's lots of other names, but like Kenny Galladay has not been relevant in the last couple of years and looks awful in the preseason. Sterling Shepard has never been practice. He (laughs) he, Sterling Shepard has never been, you know, a guy to worry about really in fantasy. Neither is Darius Slayton. They're just guys on the roster. Kadarius Toney was taken in the first round last year. By far the most talented player of that group, probably the most explosive wide receiver with the ball in his hands after Debo Samuel. He's absurd after the catch. So if you're going to take one guy in that receiving core that you're going to design the offensive round who's going to be the Stefan Diggs or whatever you want to comp from, from Buffalo, it's going to be Kadarius Toney. It's not going to be Sterling Shepard or, or Darius Slayton. And one thing that kind of proves that to me, how talented he year he is, You know, in the last 20 years, only 10 rookies have ever had over 180 receiving yards in the game. Tony was one of those guys last year. And the other guys who did it are like Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, Anquan Bolden, and Jamar Chase. That is pretty good company to be in. And Tony, he gets overlooked because he missed a lot of time last year. But everyone's all in on Devonta Smith this year as a wide receiver too, to, to, you know, take a step, even though they brought in A.J. Brown. Tony's the only guy there. And if Tony had played the whole season, he would have easily surpassed uh, Devonta Smith in yards and receptions in the Giants offense. So I think he's really being overlooked right now, later in drafts. I grabbed him as a wide receiver in my draft yesterday, and I'm really hoping that talent wins out there and Brian Dayball and Daniel Jones choose, give him the ball because you know, he's just so much better than everyone else around him. There you go.
0: Talent wins out. So when in doubt, pick talent. I'm I'm with you on that. I I tend to uh tend to believe that. The only guy this year that I, I can't draft, even though I know he's really talented, DK Metcalf. I'm sorry. I can't trust Geno Smith or Drew Locke. That's a nightmare season in store for DK Metcalf, even though he's as talented as any wide receiver out there. Um he passes the eye test, but I can't. I got I'm out. I'm out. Sorry. Sorry, DK. But uh all right, Harrison, great show, great insight. We appreciate it. Uh we've got our fantasy drafts next week. So uh here at Fantasy Football Fellowship, we'd love for all of you to join us. Uh and and so you can go to unpacking slash fantasy, join one of our leagues. You can actually be in the league with Harrison, be in the league with me. But then at the end in the playoffs, we will all compete against each other for one champion. So Harrison won't be able to say he's the champion the, one of us will be the champion. Well, or maybe it'll be you as a listener. Uh so check it out, unpacking slash fantasy. All right, for Harrison Zuckerberg, I'm Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for being with us. I am a fantasy manager who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin, he was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as fantasy managers who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. Presented by Metashare.